Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. So, as I have unfortunately learnt, um, when I have guests, my recording software doesn't like that. So, unfortunately, my um, <laughs> my audio and my audio alone is a little bit messy this episode. But hopefully, it'll be good enough that you guys will still be able to enjoy. Um, and hopefully ignore the parts where it's just not sounding good. Um... <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode, audio issues aside, um, and thank you for tuning in. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Rowan Verse read-long and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm and welcome to the show. So, I am not alone on the show today. Yes, no, I finally have someone who um, has allowed me to pressure them into joining me because I'm always alone all the time <laughs> um <laughs> and um it's an absolute pleasure and I'm so glad to have someone here with me Raiden thank you so much for coming to speak with me about Percy Jackson thank you so much for having me here I'm very excited I love to talk about Percy Jackson all the time <laughs> if that wasn't obvious already <laughs> Oh my gosh, I think that's just the thing. So, <laughs> um, uh, tell everyone uh, where you're from and uh, your experience talking about Percy Jackson. <laughs> All right, I am from the Return to Camp Half Blood podcast. Uh, me and two other people, Ava and Neve, we read uh, chap- two chapters by two chapters, but we uh, analyze each of the chapters through a theme, kind of like a little English class that that you always wanted but never knew you wanted <laughs> is what we like to call it um and yeah we've been doing that for a little while now if you want to check us out uh because we also like to talk about Percy Jackson and and gay things and anti-capitalism <laughs> and some Taylor Swift go, right? oh okay. Taylor Swift as well you can't we oft- talk often about- talk about Taylor Swift too <laughs> on our, our Percy Jackson podcast <laughs> Oh my gosh, you know, it's, (laughs) I listen in and you guys just, you have so much fun, which is why I had to ask you to come and join me on here as well, because I'm like, no, I would like some of this fun, please. Oh, Um, yes, anytime. (laughs) Fran has also been on our podcast too, so you should definitely check out those episodes that (laughs) she's been on. (laughs) Oh yeah, oh my god, it was so fun. It's things like that where I'm like, why did I decide to not have a co-host again? And then, like, I remember the few times that I have had guests on the past and I have to figure out how to edit all the audio together. And I'm like, no, no, that was why. I just don't have the patience. Yeah, that's everything. real. 
Um, but I'm so glad to have you on and especially to talk about what we're talking about today, which is chapters seven and eight of The Last Olympian. So chapter seven, my math teacher gives me a lift. I, I realize it says math and I'm like, oh, I don't like it. It's maths, but I'll go with the American way. Um, and chapter eight, I take the worst bath ever. Um, and yeah, so <laughs> um, as most people know, I usually have um, synopses sort of planned for the intro thing, but um, I, I'm not good with coming up with someone on the spot. So this will be awkward. It will be uncomfortable, but hopefully it will make sense. So um, in general, as always, we've got some points to focus on because everyone knows I like to have points to talk about. I never usually stay on them. So this will be interesting. But um, <laughs> so we're, we're hopefully going to be sticking to the points of characters, relationships, mythology, and generally what we thought of these chapters. But uh, to begin, here's the synopsis. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> so with the underworld in havoc and Percy, well, nearly dying and then nearly becoming a murderer at the same time, well, we take a little dip in a river and the ship really begins but then there's a little bit more murder and uh, eventually everyone gets out all okay and that's kind of basically what <laughs> happens oh my god I regret so much when I make myself do these synopses but hopefully it was fine <laughs> I think it made sense I think it made no sense <laughs> <laughs> very slowly the panic rising in my voice I'm just like do I actually remember what happens in these chapters <laughs> to summarize this well enough no, I get that. I understand. <laughs> we do, but, we do on our show. We do a thirty-second lim time limit for us too. So we we kind of just sit there and flounder as we we try to include as many details as possible. But it's not a good substitute for like even like just reading Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I feel I feel better with this but it doesn't matter too much because thankfully I do also do a bit of an overview <laughs> of them mainly for my sake because I've usually forgotten what I've even though I've usually like read the chapters directly before recording I've usually forgotten most of what I've read <laughs> before diving in no I agree I'm, I'm bad at retaining a lot of the details <laughs> we'll be talking and then I'll be like oh yes okay that happened yes I, I remember <laughs> that now Oh my gosh, so much so. Um, but to move on to that, so what we'll be starting with, obviously, is chapter seven, because seven becomes comes before eight. I don't know why I make this joke every time. It's not even funny, but I continue to do it. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe one day you'll change it up and, and do eight before seven. <laughs> oh yes, seven, eight, nine. So, so add in a joke somewhere about that. Um, <laughs> oh God. Don't start with the dad jokes, Fran. You have a guest. Stop embarrassing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so chapter seven, my math teacher gives me a lift. And the overview for chapter seven is our boys head for Orpheus's entrance. Grover returns and learns he's been sleeping for a month. Oh, my God, I wish. With, this help, with his help, our duo head down to the underworld. Things don't go to plan when Nico takes a detour. In the Chamber of Hades, plus others, Percy is subjected to imprisonment. Cronus is attacking Olympus soon. Might as well wait it out, right? Um, am I right? Well, I think if no one wants to fight in a war, it's probably the right decision. But I'm assuming Percy wants to help, so not the best idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. But to start with this, we're, we're going to be looking at uh, characters in particular and Nico's betrayal in this case. Um, so, Brynn, what did you think to do with Nico's sort of like, I want to put like a quote unquote betrayal for this because it feels like he he does and then he doesn't because he wasn't meaning it in the way that it ended up going down. Yeah, I I love Nico. Nico is my favorite character. Um, so he can do no wrong. And <laughs> but no, I generally don't think he did that much wrong in this chapter. Like obviously he didn't tell the full truth to Percy, but his also the only way he could have actually helped Percy, I think was if Hades knew what he was doing. So he, he kind of, Hades was going to find out that they were there anyways. So Nico was like, okay, I'll just, I'll just bring him to my dad. I'll say hi, then we'll, we'll bring him back. And it's also, it's, do you do spoilers on this podcast? Um, We're happy to do it. I usually put like a small thing to start, but don't worry, go for it. <laughs> okay. That, that, I guess uh, uh, Heroes of Olympus, uh, spoiler warning. But since we know that that uh, Nico had a crush on Percy this whole time, like confirmed TM, uh, <laughs> that it just kind of feels like oh, Nico wants wants his dad to meet this boy he has a crush on, um, and then it goes badly, which he, he didn't know was going to go badly. Yeah, he had faith in his dad. I think that's the whole thing. Like the whole time, like obviously Percy gets like really peeved at this whole situation, like. Percy, my dude, you like you would very much do the you have done the exact same to impress your father. Just, just like back up a little bit. Like he is Nico is a child. Like he's twelve at this point, isn't he? Twelve or thirteen. Yeah, twelve or thirteen. He's ten in Titan's Curse. It's the Rick is so bad with ages. <laughs> like this is a this is one of my pet peeves. Is is Percy is the wrong age for the grade he's in. He's too old for the grade that he's in throughout the whole thing. Like he's a year older than he should be. I and then that. and then between the original series and Heroes of Olympus, I think it gets a little even more messy. Or like he tries to retcon it a little bit, but because I think he's supposed to be a sophomore and then he's not. It's weird. <laughs> Oh gosh, I think that's the one positive of like being from across the sea is like I had no idea. It's just like, oh no, this seems about right. I don't understand the American education system, so this seems accurate to me. It's it's weird. Every state is different, like based oh. on what age you start things at what time. But but based on Percy's summer birthday, uh, he's in the wrong grade. <laughs> <laughs> I fell down a rabbit hole of this once. There was an entire Reddit thread about it doing the math. Uh -huh which is the only oh. time I ever go on Reddit. <laughs> oh my God. Especially Percy Jackson's side of Reddit. It's just like, it's, a, it's don't do it guys. To, to the people listening, never go to the Percy Jackson side of Reddit. It, no, don't do it. Don't do it to yourselves. And if you have to, don't engage. You go, yes, you get definitely. what you need and you get out. <laughs> I feel like I, I had to learn that lesson a lot. I'm one of those people when I'm seeing someone being like an idiot, I have to tell them they're being an idiot. And that was no. On Reddit, you don't do that. I didn't realize that you weren't meant to do that on Reddit. On Reddit, you can only do that if you have like a PhD and like a backlog of sources for any comment you need to make. Oh my God, so true. Oh gosh. <laughs> 
yeah the reddit the reddit hole is um is intense and i do not recommend at all i feel like like nico would be the sort of person who <laughs> would be one of those people i feel like he'd be slightly like me like he seems like the sort of person who would want to like start a fight with someone just because he can <laughs> i agree though so I, th- I think nico's more of a tumblr boy oh yeah than, than reddit. Yeah, yeah yeah oh no that's so true actually especially considering when the the books like are set around heroes of olympus would be like around when like tumblr was becoming a bit of a thing nico definitely would have like a really angsty sort of <laughs> very focused angst sort of tumblr blog 100%. exactly yeah i i was when i was reading this for the first time very much at the same age as like nico throughout the whole thing like that was the character i feel like i grew up with the most because like mm. i read it from like fourth grade to like seventh grade or whatever i think mm. what I think I was in seventh grade when the last book came out. Good question. Have no idea the real answer. But like, I, I can. I was on Tumblr. I can see him being on Tumblr. Nico's the type to read fan fiction. Oh, one. He's the type to write fan fiction. Actually, he is the type to write fan yeah. fiction. You're correct. He would one hundred percent be writing fan fiction. What kind of fan fiction? I'm not. I don't. I feel like he'd be the sort of person to write fluff, just because like he's got so much angst in his life, he wants to write like really fluffy sort of stuff. Oh, I agree. He'd be writing the like Persebeth, like just their happy life after everything happened kind of fan fiction. That's the oh. kind that I read. I I read a whole like really long one that like I kept up with through months. That was just about them like getting pregnant and having a child. Oh. But that was it. There was no monsters or mythology. They just There's like no had a nice <laughs> little life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no plot. Just happy marriage. That's all I want. I just want a happy marriage. <laughs> I agree. Oh my god. No, that's definitely Nico. He's writing that. He's reading that. He's living life. Um, and considering, especially like all the stuff he goes through, like, even in this chapter. Like, Percy tries to kill a 12-year-old boy for the fact that he was like, well, no, my dad just wanted to speak to you. Like, I didn't know what he was going to do. He just wanted to talk to you. That's the... Ah. And then he tries to kill him. And I'm like, dude, Percy. Yeah. Percy was so out of pocket there. Like, I get it. You have a lot going on. You can't take this little detour. But he was just trying to help calm down. And Percy knows this. Percy's not stupid. Like he's yeah. not the smartest boy, but he he's not he does He's a himbo. He is. <laughs> he is. But he, he knows Nico well enough at this point to know that he's not trying to get him in trouble. So like calm down. Yeah. I find it ironic, like in comparison to like the first chapter where Obviously, he's on the uh, when Percy's on the Princess Andromeda, and he sees another twelve-year-old boy who is actually on Cronus's side, and he lets him live and like tells him about like what's happening on the ship and stuff. I'm like, you let this kid who, in your mind, has been brainwashed, but would still probably have tried to kill you, um, escape, and then Nico, who very clearly makes a mistake. No, no, no! This boy's gonna die today, like. <laughs> make up your mind Percy Jackson 
Oh, I mean, th this might be a, a hot take that gets me in trouble, but it's a lot of Percy's fault. Like, he he caused a lot, and not intentionally, but he caused Nico to go down the path that he does, and he kind of has to deal with the repercussions of it sometimes, and this is one of those moments where he kind of has to deal with that he, he failed this kid. Which is something he thinks about a lot. It's a, a huge part of his trauma, I think, is that he feels mm -hmm. really guilty for what happened to Bianca. And, and we see that. And I think that's why he ends up forgiving Nico fast a bunch of times. But he also has to deal with the repercussions of his actions, too. Yeah, I think that's definitely a thing. And admittedly, don't worry about hot takes. Like, <laughs> my podcast is only hot takes. That's why no one likes me. <laughs> <laughs> I like you. Um, <laughs> I like you too. <laughs> that Aww. touched my heart. I was like, no, I needed to hear that today. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> we just need to hear it. Yes, so so true. Nico but, um, needs to hear it. <laughs> oh my god, Nico needs to hear it like every single day, twice, <laughs> like, twice a day, every single day for the rest of his life. He needs to hear it from someone. Yes. And oh my gosh, am I Nico? I don't know if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> maybe <laughs> um i completely forgot what I was oh no i know what i was gonna say now <laughs> um but you know i completely agree with what you're saying like percy definitely needs to deal with his repercussions a little bit more like but also understand that people do make mistakes i think this is the thing about percy he doesn't seem to understand how people can make mistakes i'm like percy, percy all you do is make mistakes how can you not like accept other people making mistakes but Nico is a child who very clearly wants his father's approval, just like Percy did, and made a mistake, just like Percy has done in the past. Like Percy's neglecting of Tyson, for example, in Sea of Monsters, was because he was angry at his dad and wanted more affection from his dad. But Nico is doing the same sort of thing here. In his case, is to learn more about his mother. Mm -hmm. And and I just I I always found it really weird. I remember reading it. I was like, how did I forget that Percy tried to kill this child? because he got him thrown into a prison cell unintentionally. Like, this is just wild. Um, and it's just such a strange thing. Just like, it felt kind of out of character for me, for Percy, to be like... It, it did for death. me, too. It, yeah, it really didn't feel like the Percy that we know to like be that ready to hurt Nico. Like, it was just uh, absurdly... He's not that angry of a dude most of the time. Yeah. I just, yeah, because I remember the description of it as well of like him putting his blade to Nico's throat so much so that he chokes Nico. I was like, that's really dark. I don't know how I feel about this. Like, this is a, like, he hasn't even done this to Luke technically either. And Luke's like his, his actual enemy. He's done more physical harm in this one scene to Nico than he ever has to an actual enemy. It's just, yeah, it just felt really weird to me just seeing it as out of character and punishing this child for the actions of, oh my God, he's acting like the gods. He's punishing he the child of a god for the actions of a god. Oh my God. That's so real. Whoa. It's Oh wow. And that that's kind of like the whole thing that like the demigods themselves, the ones on Cronus's side, are punishing their parents for the fact that their parents have, in a sense, punished them to fight monsters on their behalf 
for their entire lifetimes until they die. Like, oh my god. I, how did I only pick up with this now? I'm just like, he's, he's what? <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I feel like this book in particular, we see Percy lose himself a lot until mm. the end because he gets very in the black and white mindset that is, yeah. is set up between like, oh, the Olympians and Kronos and like Percy is the figurehead for the Olympians and Luke is the figurehead for Kronos's army. And so he gets so like, I'm on the, he's trying to convince himself so much that he's on the right side that I think yeah. he, do, he does things like this. We see some dark Percy moments in which he doesn't necessarily do the right thing because mm-hmm. he, he's trying to reinforce to himself that he's on the right side. When I think, <laughs> we have have the the capacity now to know that the sides aren't <laughs> black and white at all yeah like, they're very big levels of gray yes absolutely mm. yeah no that's really, really interesting i can't believe i've been reading these books for what five six years and i've only just picked up on it now crazy <laughs> but um in terms of the gods actually as well and and going into the mythology a little bit um Obviously, Hades is the god that we're meeting in this particular chapter. Um, And I think the thing that's interesting to me about Hades, I think Hades is the most interesting god that we get in the books completely. He feels the most well-rounded and realistic, even though his character is also very, very different. Like, his is, like, somehow the worst interpretation. Maybe Aphrodite is probably worse, but, like, maybe one of the worst... Oh, Aphrodite. I have so many issues with Aphrodite in terms of a character. I'm like, why why was this a thing? Why? Why? But then Hades is like very close, like second to Aphrodite because his character just feels so strange in like how he's presented. Like, even though he has this intensity of, of what a god should have, the only thing that I don't get is in terms of his characters that he's interested in becoming king of the gods. Like that doesn't feel like something he'd actually want. Yeah, it feels very out of character specifically for this Hades too. I feel like there are interpretations of Hades where it makes sense. Mm. Like obviously like he was first born and then he was like he ended up with the underworld, which people are like, oh, that was like the worst slot. But, like, if you go back into a lot of mythology, Hades is considered more powerful and more feared culturally than Zeus was just because everyone dies. Yeah. Like, he does have the most power. And and that's what this this Percy Jackson Hades talks about in the first book, too. He's like, I don't want a war. That's so much paperwork. So it feels weird for him to want to be king of the god. Like, this is not not a Hades who cares about yeah. power. He's a, He just wants to do what he do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it did. That's, like, the exact thing. It just it feels so strange for him to, firstly, be not even interested, but sort of getting involved in, like, these sort of politics on Olympus. Like, the whole thing is, and it's, 
in comparison to like what I was talking about in um one of my previous episodes to do with Clarice, like her obviously like the decision for the Aries camp to basically not get involved because they've been disrespected by the by the camp. Um Hades and Clarice to me, like at this current point, feel very similar. Like Hades has been kicked out of Olympus, he's not had any respect from them, he doesn't have any involvement with Olympus because they they don't care about him. Like so he's having in that sort of same mindset of why would he help them? Like he might as well just let them all die, let them all be destroyed, and you know, he'll come out on top in the end. Although the on top and bit at the end with that, I was just like, not too realistic. But like the other part I kind of get where he's coming from. Like, why help someone if they've got no interest in working with you? Yeah, I, I feel like it would have had a a more impactful and deeper meaning if he didn't write in the like oh wait and then he'll be the most powerful god of all while everyone else kills each other because it it does make a lot of sense for him to stay out of it it doesn't it doesn't make sense for him to immediately join in because what exactly you said why would he they they give him no reason to so he doesn't have to yeah no i agree i think it was literally just like that one line of like and then i'll be king like just get rid of that and everything else will be perfectly fine. exactly <laughs> um and it is just like a really interesting concept especially with the whole the current clarice situation as well like these are two people well demigod god anyway um <laughs> who have been disrespected they're not cared about they are in a sense like percy is expecting hades in possibly to go and probably face his own doom as well because he you know his family has done it he's kind of like no go go die as well like go help them out i know they've never helped you but go die for them um and it's just like a really interesting like like comparison of clarice and hades both people who like are expected to go die for people who probably wouldn't care if they did die um but yeah, it's just <laughs> I just find him really interesting. Like he's the most imposing of the gods and the the most realistic in terms of the godlies. Poseidon is the dumbest god, I've got to say, that's portrayed in the series. Like Poseidon is was worse than Zeus in mythology. Like <laughs> he has a lot of problems, but no, he's a really nice, really kind of kind, sort of fisherman sort of feel. I'm like, no, make him an arsehole because he's abandoned his children. Like he shouldn't be nice (laughs) yeah he's kind of got that like cool absent dad who like comes in did you ever watch the sweet life of zach and cody yeah oh my god yeah like their dad yeah yes like their dad like it's it's cool and they like him because they don't know well enough to be like oh wait he did abandon us you know yeah yeah and i think that's the thing like poseidon definitely has that that sort of feel to him like he comes in he'll get percy presents and stuff like that and then i'll piss off again yeah um, <laughs> whereas hades like hades is re- like hades is the first god that we've seen who's been consistently interact obviously not in the nicest way like he's not particularly nice to nico but he's the first god that we've seen who has consistently interacted with one of his children yeah, he's been very involved in Nico's life. And, yeah. like, to a point where, like, Persephone and Debita are also very familiar with Nico. Like, they have their own little, like, family dynamic. 
Yeah. It's not healthy, but <laughs> Yeah. But like in comparison, it's I, it's definitely interesting. I think that's what makes Hades like it makes me frustrated that he's portrayed as more villainous and like not a good guy when like he's the only one who's actually doing like the bare minimum for his demigod child in comparison to everyone else. Like the guy that everyone hates is actually being better than everyone else. Like it's yeah. just ironic. Um, there is that whole like awful like you're not like, as good as your sister line that that mm. he kept throwing out there that was kind of hard to hear. Yeah, that yeah, maybe that also like that felt so out of character at the same time as well. It's like this guy is interacting willingly with the demigod child that all other gods have like they've abandoned all of their kids like they don't care. Yeah, and then he is interacting with his child, and but then at the same time, it's like really cruel to them. If it, it just feels really weird, like it's like a very back and forth sort of situation. Um, so I'm not too sure how I feel about it, but um, I'll give him the bare minimum props of like, hey, at least you talk to your kid on a regular occasion. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I real. guess some props. Set very low standards. <laughs> Admittedly, it's. We've been in the pandemic for like what, like over a year now. I think everyone's standards are very, very low for anything. <laughs> so That's true. Let's this. I'm like, ah, number one dad in the Percy Jackson. Exactly. Series. Oh, <laughs> you've done the bare minimum. Here's an award. Yes. <laughs> oh God, but uh, <laughs> I suppose just to move on to that into the next chapter that follows, which is chapter eight. I take the worst bath ever and the overview for chapter eight is imprisoned percy takes a nap and then tries to kill a child i just realized we talked about him killing the child in the previous chapter that doesn't happen yet oh no i got ahead of myself he's very <laughs> aggressive in the first one too he doesn't try True. to kill him but it's close oh he thinks about killing him i think like it like nico bows to hades and then like he thinks about like cutting his head off or something like yeah. that yeah Oh, God, yeah, he thinks about cutting a child's head off. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Nico helps him escape, but drains himself in doing so. Reaching the... Is it... Wait, is it sticks like a stick, or is it pronounced differently? Because I don't ever know if I'm actually pronouncing it correctly. I've always said sticks. Okay, we'll say that's correct. <laughs> no, but it is. Um, <laughs> reaching the sticks, a warning from a failed hero does nothing. Taking the plunge, one thought keeps Percy sane. Hades arrives, but now Percy is invincible, and he beats them all. Percy leaves Nico behind to persuade his father, and now it's time to face Luke. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> and then, as we know from the book, no, that doesn't actually happen for a long time. <laughs> like it's now time to go and face Luke. Twelve chapters later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh God. Um, <laughs> but I suppose kind of speaking in terms of characters so we had a little bit of discussion too with Percy um, in the previous bit but I suppose to kind of dive into his character a little bit more um, there's, okay I, I did have I don't know if you've uh, heard my complaints about the love triangle on a regular basis in, in Percy Jackson but I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> I, I've heard a little bit. I've heard a little bit of it. <laughs> okay. Um, so unfortunately, I, I bring up another thing about this. Like, um, 
so he he has what was it he has his dream in there about rachel about rachel yes yeah yeah uh, on on the island or something like that and he mentions from last time that he talks about checking out what oh actually this is a thing so this is something i mentioned in a previous episode of mine um and it's like sort of a comparison that ends up going between he compares rachel and annabeth so much it kind of makes me really angry i'm like stop comparing women to decide whether or not you want to date one of them i'm like why are you doing this percy check your misogyny please yeah <sighs> it's rick did a really dangerous thing in which he really heavy-handedly set up these like metaphors where like annabeth represents uh the demigod worlds and him like continuing to fight and rachel represents escapism mm. but in doing so set up an awful like dehumanization of the two women uh yeah and it's it's kind of gross and it's a little it's a little too obvious like mm. oh rachel's on a on an island somewhere on vacation don't i wish i could be there oh my god yeah it, like I wonder what that means. I, I can't. I don't understand. What does that possibly mean? <laughs> I know. It's just. It's. It's just kind of wild. Just like. It. It's one of those things where I just, It gets more frustrating each time I read it. Like I've always been frustrated by the love triangle, but like going at going through the books at this really slow pace of like two chapters at a time. I'm like somehow I hate it more. <laughs> like I'm hating it more the longer I'm going through with it. And this is just like another case. Like, um, so in one of my, um, I think it may have been last week's episode, maybe the week before, he mentions about how he checks out of conversations with Annabeth in regard to anything that she talks about with archaeology, like things that she's passionate about. And he's like, yeah, no, just my eyes basically glaze over and I check out of the conversation. I'm like, well, that's rude. But then in this chapter, he talks about how, in a sense, like, he doesn't do that with Rachel. She's teaching him about art. He understands art because he's been listening to Rachel. And I'm like, how has this offended me so much to read that? Like, someone you've known for five years, you can't care about their passions. But then someone you've known less than a year, really, you care deeply about their passions that you learn. Yeah, it's it's very much... I, I'm a Percibus Stan for the most part. But then some there's sometimes things like that where Rachel and Percy get a better treatment in their writing because I think because he he's setting up it as a red herring so much, he's trying to be really convincing and like and raise the te- the stakes and make us actually think that he might not end up with Annabeth, which is so obvious and so clear. But yeah. therefore, he tries to improve the the Percy Rachel relationship, and like, like that actually is a really nice thing in a relation, like to, to like some be interested in someone's patterns enough to like let them teach you. That's a really nice thing to have in a relationship. So why are we letting it happen? You know, like it's a weird yeah. choice. Yeah, no, I completely agree, and I think. Oh god, people are already gonna hate me for saying this. I think the more that I've read the books, the less I'm at least in this first series, the less that I'm 
believing and like kind of liking the Percy Beth relationship because all I'm thinking in the back of my head is like I feel like Percy doesn't appreciate Annabeth enough to like care about her feelings and care about all these sort of things like we're constantly in his mind and all I'm hearing is him like complaining about Annabeth comparing her to other girls and all these sort of things I'm like <laughs> I've st- I don't know if this was actually a ship beforehand, but I've I've gotten on board of the ship of Annabeth and Rachel should have gotten together because they seem more compatible. <laughs> I do. I don't disagree. I I think especially in in this first series, I mean they're they're really young kids, so obviously they they have a lot of like middle school issues. I think we forget sometimes like it's very like middle school, early high school issues mm. that like looking back look stupid but like they they make they make sense for like the time of life that they're in mm. and then I, I do think that as we get into like the heroes of olympus series and percy and annabeth develop their relationship more they become better like they actually become like good partners i think yeah especially in um house of hades when they're mm. they're stuck together the entire book and they have problems, but they also really like find each other yeah. there. It, even though they they find and miss each other throughout this entire series, and so they have problems because of that. Mm. No, I completely agree. I think it gets a lot better in Heroes of Olympus, which I think is why I'm like I'm not completely against it now. But like in this first series, I'm kind of like nah. I just nah. <laughs> um. I think it's more, I'm just like, there needed to be more gay people in this series. I just wanted the red herring to be that it seems like Rachel was really into Percy, but it was more that she was projecting because she was actually into Annabeth. That would have been amazing. I mean, I think that could still be true. I I don't see anything in the books that contradict that being true. Headcanon accepted. She was just confused by the hetero lens. I mean... Rachel never seems into Percy. No, like she she does like she kisses him at the start of this book and I'm like, but it felt so awkward. And I was like, no, no, Perth- I think I think it's a farce. Percy and Rachel's relationship is very much like two queer people. Like it really does yeah. feel like like lesbian and bisexual man friend. You know, like, it doesn't yeah. feel like two people who are into each other whatsoever. Yeah, it's sort of like the whole convenience sort of situation. Just like they're, they're interested, quote-unquote, in each other for convenience of the situation. Exactly. Um, which, um, yeah, no, it's just, it's definitely interesting. And, uh, oh, man, I kind of half wish, I don't, I don't think Rick would have particularly written it that well with him being a straight white man. But, um. I would have liked that dynamic. Maybe can someone write a fan fiction about this about <laughs> Rachel have actually been interested in Annabeth the whole time? If that's not if that's actually already out there, can someone send that to me? Because I would be interested in reading that. Or it's mostly just Last Olympian with like a little tweaks. <laughs> yeah, just small, just small little tweaks. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be amazing. I'm here for it. I want it. Give me it. <laughs> oh god right i'm <laughs> i was meant to be like talking about all the complaints i currently have about percy but no i've gone down the the, the k explosion of shipping 
but that's just my my everyday life really that's real that's real <laughs> um but in terms of like percy in this particular chapter obviously we have, have his whole dream with rachel we have him trying to kill nico and then the achilles sort of the, what is it called just the achilles the, the, the curse of achilles i think the curse of achilles called. that's it i was like is it called the achilles effect i don't think that's correct <laughs> i feel like that should be what it's called because it sounds funny <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> no i've got myself the achilles effect <laughs> <laughs> but um in terms of all that like this was like a huge twist i felt for like percy's character like obviously the violent aspect but then him getting that achilles curse and somehow becoming even more violent somehow like when you read that and obviously in this case as well like what were your sort of feelings about that it was so i felt three things one unrealistic <laughs> two very cool three terrifying because oh my God. it first off i wouldn't be that unrealistic if during the rest of the book Percy doesn't struggle a little more mm. like it was it feels like a little bit deus ex machina that he can just be like oh an entire army that I can take down in a second when in the rest of the book yes he like has great like fighting skills and his invulnerability but he has a little harder time <laughs> the rest yeah. of the book fighting uh he's not able to take down armies by himself for the rest of the book but also, it felt very, the way it was written actually, I think was one of Rick's better action scenes. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't say the action scenes in Percy Jackson are particularly strong to, to begin with. And I don't love action scenes in, in books that, that much either. They're not, it, they're very hard to write. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, <laughs> I, I think this one was actually really engaging to read. Um, mm. and so I thought it was very cool the way it was written and also just terrifying because we forget how powerful Percy actually is. He is very skilled, uh, at hand-to-hand mm. -hand combat. And he also has, we don't see in this chapter, but he, he has a lot of power, demigod power and just like fighting power. Um, mm. and now he has like his his super mario superstar and so he's he's kind of unstoppable in this scene like he mm. pins hades down yeah oh which feels irreal not realistic yeah definitely not realistic but also at the same time you're kind of like christ like and then i think it's the scene after that like he turns and sees like nico's shocked face at like what he's done and he just looks down at his clothes like they're covered in bullet holes arrow holes and all these sort of things but nothing's touched him i'm like having that visual afterwards as well it's kind of like damn like the intensity of that but i totally get with like what happens later it definitely just feels like an in the moment sort of situation everything that kind of follows like it, you feel like he shouldn't be struggling after that but then somehow he still kind of does so definitely yeah, yeah. So it's uh, the intensity of it kind of fades quite quickly. I don't know. I agree. I agree with you in that. Um, which is kind of disappointing because you think it'd be like 
if anything, I feel like this scene should have happened a lot later, like halfway through the battle. Like he abandons everyone to go and do this because he sees that they're losing and people assume that he's just abandoned them. Like thinking, nah, this was lost cause, I'm out. And then he comes back with like this all powerful sort of nature. I feel like that would have like raised the stakes a little bit and had that sort of sort of failure a little bit in in the end that he has uh, at the start and then that ending of like ah, I've killed everyone, yeah, sort of situation. I agree. It would have had a a better payoff, liter like literary device wise. Uh, it would have it it just kind of yeah because we get it here. It's cool. And it establishes something about him for the rest of the book, but it's kind of now the this Deus Ex Machina. I yeah. guess it always will be because <laughs> it's yeah. just very OP. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I definitely agree. It it definitely feels very OP. Like I kind of get the invulnerability sort of thing, but considering how poor Percy has been generally with sword fighting, because this boy does not train. How does he? Ha- how has he survived? He doesn't train. He doesn't continue to like hone his sword skills. He's really bad at sword fighting, but somehow he manages to do well. I'm like, this is not possible. <laughs> That's the thing. It's it's he's not given like superpowers. He's given invulnerability. Yeah, that means he can't be hurt or die except for in his little spot. Yeah, he's not given like insane new sword powers they could they could still just like pile themselves on top of him you know you know like (laughs) it's not yeah there's no reason he should like suddenly become unbeatable he's just unkillable yeah no no no. i i totally agree i think that's something that should have definitely been done like maybe like i know the achilles idea is that he kind of was strong in general, so he had those skills or the capability for those skills. But in the nicest way to Percy, he has never had those skills. <laughs> he has never worked on them. He's never tried them. It doesn't make sense for the the curse to suddenly give him these abilities. Um, so no, I agree. I feel it's it's very do sex machina, and I'm I'm slightly disappointed. But uh, it's definitely terrifying. I think that's somehow more interesting that he's become more terrifying from having this ability. Oh, yeah. Um, And I think that's kind of the interesting part of it to do with, like, the mythology side of things with Achilles himself is that, like, Achilles full-on, like, appears just like, no, this is a horrible idea. Don't do it. Like... The mistake was made with me. Don't make the same mistake I did or my mother did. I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's just, it's really interesting seeing this past here being like, seriously, don't do this. You will regret everything. Like it heightens everything, which I thought was really interesting. It kind of has that sort of Captain America sort of feel, you know, the, what's his face? The red face guy, like Red Skull. Red Skull, that's it. I was like, Red something. Um, he got the Super Soldier Serum, but because he was basically like evil inside, it reflected on the outside by basically making his face melt away and him turning into Red Skull. Mm-hmm. Whereas you've got Steve, who is like a sweetheart from the get-go, that when he gets it, it works because he has always been pure of heart. Um, I like how that's sort of like a thing with the Achilles 
curse was that it heightens everything so for Achilles he'd always been sort of arrogant and had a bit of an ego so that's inflated more so so the moment someone slightly insults him he's done like he's like no 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 I'm out now so I'm intrigued like I don't think it ever actually happened with Percy but I would have been intrigued to see that have happened with him because like Percy does have these very rigid ideas of right and wrong and loyalty and things sort of things like that so seeing that intensified I think would have been really interesting like seeing him being maybe even like verbally or like physically intimidating to someone who in his mind isn't being loyal enough to their side of the war it would have been interesting I'm slightly disappointed now that it doesn't happen I, I think we do see a little bit of of the too intense of loyalty to his friends like getting worse um mm-hmm. in this book and I think it's interesting to see like oh like this is described as Percy's fatal flaw and there therefore his his point of uh being harmed is being stabbed in the back um mm. which I guess we also see in these chapters now that I think about about that with Nico he he's trusting Nico and then Nico turns on him uh and we see his anger at that but that's even before he he goes in the sticks but yeah. I, I I do think we we see a little bit of him grappling with this, and I think it's interesting to think about. Oh, is it just because he's in that heightened worse situations? Is is his flaws manifesting more, or does it have to do with with the curse of Achilles that yeah. are making it worse and magnifying everything? Mm. That's a really interesting idea. It I, like <laughs> you saying that now, I was like, oh yeah, no, that does actually appear. I think I'm at that point where I'm just like, I'm so focused on the current things that happened. I'm like, I don't fully remember what happens later. No, that's <laughs> that you said I right. don't fully oh, yeah. either, but like the little bit I do remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it'd be it'd be interesting to dive into that like at some point in, in future, just like whether or not it was the Achilles like maybe there'll be like signs of it when I get to that point I don't know when I'll get to that point but when I do um to see whether or not it is something that is either just his general fate of flaw or if it just feels so much more heightened and maybe it is the Achilles curse yeah. that's really interesting especially for Luke as well like his thing was sort of the what was Luke's weakness I can't remember what it was but... I also cannot remember what it was yeah I think it was like a competitive thing like he was I know he was always nervous of Percy because he always thought that Percy was like above him or better than him or something. So I guess a sort of like arrogance sort of it thing. Was, like it was about worth, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Especially considering everything that happens with Luke. <laughs> that kind of makes sense for his curse that that's heightened a little bit and that Luke yeah. is able to kind of sleep through because of that curse. Um it's interesting to think about. I I think that was like a really interesting addition to the curse. Luke's itself. Luke's flaw was excessive wrath. Oh yeah, that makes sense. She feels a little on the nose, right? Yeah, a little on the nose. But then also at the same time, it's kind of like, yeah, no, that makes sense. But it'd be interesting if it was something that was a little less. Yeah, that sounds like Luke. Um. Yeah, I think there were just some. Re- there are some really interesting things that are introduced in, like Rick's idea of the mythology, like the fact that everything is heightened by the Achilles heel. That I do 
I do really like, I really appreciate this. Like, there are definitely some mistakes, Aphrodite and Hades, but um, this is one of the things where I'm just like, nah, this is this was a really good decision for that to be heightened. Um, I just wish it was slightly used a little bit more, maybe like referenced like later down the line by Percy himself. Like, am I feeling this way or is it the curse that's making me feel this way sort of situation? Um, yeah. But in um, terms of that, so obviously with the Achilles heel, he had to think of something that would ground him to it. And this is where the Purse of Beth finally makes a, an official appearance in um, <laughs> in this book, officially, quote unquote, sort of thing from Percy himself. Um, and it's obviously that Annabeth is the person that he sees and is like tethering him to the world. And it was super cute. And I'm <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you go first. I'm too critical. <laughs> I have to say, I have to say with all of my problems with Percibeth and how it's written, especially like in in this book, uh that was just so cute. It it just really was that at at first I was like, oh, why is it only mentioning everyone but Annabeth? And then he was like, and then I saw her. <laughs> it was oh. just it was very sweet. And I also like that. It's not just Annabeth, but it's the idea of having a normal life with her. Because Percy mm -hmm. has been through a lot and really wants a little bit of normalcy. And he he sees his future and his stability in Annabeth. Mm. No, I, I completely agree. I think the way it was written, I think, was the best thing. Like, he does, like, like you said, he goes through those names of those other... It's like he thinks of his mum, he thinks of Grover, he thinks of Tyson, and then he hears a voice and he doesn't know it's Annabeth straight away. And I thought that was really interesting. Like he just hears someone's voice and then he hears it again. And like he's seeing an image of like him at camp and Annabeth looking down at him from like the pier and stuff like that. And I, was, I remember this, I think it was the first time I read this, which was like I, oh, years, what are years? Um, but the first time I read it, I got really confused. I was like, wait, is he actually at camp? <laughs> <laughs> that momentary moment of like, has he teleported has he gone to through the, Yeah, those <laughs> rivers. It sounds um, like a power he'd have. Yeah. So that thing that like he's just flushed out into like he he's taken to the person that is his tether, which would be really interesting, but also a bit on the nose. But um I remember thinking that. But the fact that like this whole image changes and like he's looking up to Annabeth and she's reaching out a hand to him and he's reaching out a hand to her. I was like, oh, this is oh my gosh, we finally have it, <laughs> the final moment for it. And it's just, it's just really interesting to me that despite it all, despite the current conflicts and like, the romantic drama that's currently going on, like Annabeth is that person who's holding him to the world. Like it's, so that whole thing of like, uh, oh God, what film is it? Like, it's always been you. It was always you. Oh, that's probably just any romance film oh, really, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> It also might be Grey's Anatomy or something. Yeah. I, I... <laughs> Some, it's basically anything that has romance in it's probably got that line somewhere. It was always you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure some one of your listeners is going to be like, it's it's this, it's this, and <laughs> you know. If any if any listener knows, send me an email or a DM on Instagram and be like, it was this, you idiot. Um, and because I will be an idiot when I realize I'm like, oh my god, of course it is. How could I not have remembered? But um 
yeah i think i think it's just like a really interesting thing like even in a sense that he doesn't seem to realize as well that clearly annabeth is that person to him like she's just the person that he pictured and yet he he kind of doesn't seem to kind of because he's a himbo he doesn't seem to recognize the significance of that moment um which makes me want to slap it, but also I'm kind of like, actually, no, I'm a lesbian. I can't talk. I I don't. There was someone I found out who was flirting with me for like a year and a half, and I didn't realize for that whole year and a half until they told me three years later. And I was like, this is why I'm single. <laughs> so I can't uh, really blame Percy because I'm like, no, I'm the same. It's it's almost it's kind of more beautiful and. I just like it better than what is developed between him and Rachel because mm. because he doesn't realize it. Like we make fun of him for being stupid and not realizing it, but it's it's kind of more cute that way. It's a more real love, I think, because he mm. doesn't he doesn't understand that he has a crush on Annabeth necessarily, but he knows that he needs her. Yeah, and so that feels really nice <laughs> yeah no i totally get that sort of like just because you mentioned Grey's anatomy that's now in my head just like the whole situation like you're my person sort of thing um yes. just more in the romantic sense um for percy and annabeth like they are each other's person in that regards um yeah i think that one scene i was like ah i may have to forgive percy a little bit more <laughs> in terms of the romance thing because uh that was very cute. <laughs> Let's just hope he doesn't ruin it in the next chapter. <laughs> now that I think of it, that quote might be from Friends. Oh. But I honestly have no Ross. idea. If it's from Ross, I'm going to be disappointed in myself. I, I feel do not like, like Ross. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Rachel says something like that to Ross. Ah. 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 Damn. Oh, well, we can just pretend that it wasn't. If it was <laughs> Ross and Rachel, we'll pretend it wasn't true because Ross and Rachel are toxic. But um <laughs> Yeah. It's 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 definitely I, I really like that. I think that was the one thing where I was just like, ah, no, Persebeth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but that's kind of it. That's like the summarizing bit of it. Um that's kind of the main thing. Just like the the person Beth is finally making some headway. That's all that matters now. <laughs> Nothing yes. else. Just that. Just that. That's all that matters. <laughs> um, but in terms of in terms of finishing up, um, so for my listeners, everyone um will know that I usually do a question of the episode. Um, so I'm intrigued to uh both your thought, Braden, but also to everyone listening. Um. Oh, what was the question? I had the question in my head and now it's gone. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> oh. Donkey butter. Um, it was something to do with Persebeth, and now I can't remember what it was. Oh, um no. I'll just make this I'll just make this the question. It wasn't what I originally thought, but I'll go with it. Um, was would you say that this is the moment that Percy begins to develop and understand his feelings? from Annabeth for Annabeth I I would say so I would say so I'm not 100% on that though so 
Okay. I'm interested to, right. to see what your listeners say. Yeah. All right. So for my listeners, of course, that question will be going up on the Best Damn Camp pod on Instagram and Twitter on the ep- on the day after these, this episode is out. So go check it out and comment your thoughts because um, I'm interested to hear what people think of this particular moment but uh Braden thank you so much for coming to speak with me on this week's episode it's been an absolute blast um tell everyone where they can find you and uh, both your podcast and for you yourself as well for how people can support you yes oh thank you so much for having me uh you can find my Percy Jackson podcast Return to Camp Half-Blood uh on returntocamp.com or any social media at Return to Camp any of your preferred pod catchers um, you can find me at, at B-R-Y-D-N-S-T-L-L-M-N, my full name without initials on uh, any social media. I, I like to tweet and I also am a, a filmmaker and writer. And so you, if you want to see any of that kind of stuff, you can find it out there too. <laughs> All right. Amazing. Yes. Firstly, writers unite. Yes. 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 <laughs> Um, and that's amazing. But again, yes, thank you so much for, for joining me. This has been absolutely amazing. Yes, it's been fantastic. Thank you for having me. No worries. Um, and of course, to everyone listening, I want to thank you all for joining me for today's chapters. Uh, be sure to join me next Wednesday as well for something extra, extra special that I'm very excited to bring people. I won't be saying much else because spoilers as river song would say but um if you are interested to find out about this special special episode be sure to find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts at the best damn camp and obviously if you're a percy jackson fan you know what that damn is spelt like um and you can check me out on social media at best damn camp pod on instagram and twitter um and if you have your own thoughts you can email the best damn camp at hotmail.com and i'll read it out at the end of the show uh, if you want to support me making this content you can check me out on patreon at a healthy dose of fran um and if you want to know more about my writing alongside Braden's, so you can drop me a follow at a dose of fran on instagram twitter and tiktok where if you like tiktok there's lots of gay stuff there you will enjoy it um <laughs> again thank you all for joining in and to Braden for joining me as always i've been fran your very own hunter and i will see slash speak to you guys next time